Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of Connections is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us imagining, get us reflecting, and get us connected. Back on March 30th, we did a radio show about Marjorie Prime. It's a play at the Park Square Theater. It is produced in partnership with Prime Productions and Park Square. And I want to let folks know it does run through May 19th. So we have this weekend and next weekend to still see the show. And I have to say, I have found the show absolutely stunning. The writing is exquisite. The direction is insightful. The staging, beautiful. And the actors, they, they, they continue to grow with the play, discovering nuances and ideas, and it's thrilling. Uh, I've seen the play more than once, and I, I hope to see it again because I love seeing how the play has grown. In the play, memories are explored, and the possibilities of artificial intelligence to support us as we age, give us companionship, uh, explore stories that give us meaning. And the play has really just stayed with me. It has become for me an exploration and sets of questions, an ongoing thought about what stories would I most want to remember? Would it be okay if those stories changed a little bit to something I would have rather happened or would give me more joy if they had happened differently? Are our stories our truth or Is our truth our shared stories? Are our memories just really imagination? And as we learn, we shift our understanding of our memories and they get recategorized. And what about artificial intelligence? What are really the possibilities? Should we be excited about what artificial intelligence could give us? Or should we be afraid of the capabilities of what it may turn into? Or should we be a little of both? Um, so I had a chance to interview Professor Professor Maria Gini, and it was during a post-show discussion. And I had several of our Connections listeners at the show who came up afterwards and said, please invite Professor Gini on the show. So I have. Um, Maria Gini has earned an international reputation for her research in robotics and artificial intelligence. Befitting her work in such a cutting-edge field, she also brings innovative teaching protocols into her classroom. New students of hers are often surprised to discover that she employs a pair of small, fully automated robots in her classroom. They're exemplars of the -the state-of-the-art robotic devices and as a surefire way of engaging their imaginations. Uh, Jeannie is also a pioneer in recruiting women into the field of robotics and artificial intelligence. For many years, she's been active in Grace Hopper's celebration of women competing. It's instrumental in bringing that conference here to the Twin Cities in 2013. A quote that I just love of hers is, we all thrive when personal aspirations and achievements are in sync. I encourage each student to dream big and to follow their own passion. At the same time, I believe we do our best when we work with others. And that's Professor Maria Gini. Welcome, Maria. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. So you had a chance to see this play with me. uh, And it's a play that I also want to mention. This is by Jordan Harrison. It's directed by Elena Gianetti. It's performed by Candace Barrett-Burke, James Rodriguez, Andre Scholes, and Laura Stearns. So when you saw the play, what was your reaction? Uh, what, did, what did you think? Uh, how, and how have you thought about the play after seeing it? Well, when I saw the play... I had seen. I had already seen earlier the movie. Maybe mm-hmm. a year ago, there was the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I immediately I thought about what difference it makes to be in a theater where the actors are there in front of you. They are very close to you. All that you see is real. You know, like the movies is a projection on a screen, which could be very large mm-hmm. and engages you. But being in a theater, I haven't been in in the theater in a long time, and it was just amazing. 
gets you to really think. I mean, again, I knew the story already, mm-hmm. but I, t- I thought again fresh, and I say, wow, this is likely to happen at some point. I'm, I'm not afraid, but it gets me to think. Yes. It's, what do I want? Right? Is that, and again, as you are saying, what the, which part of my memories I want to kind of bring back to me? And that's a difficult question. I don't know. Well, I'll give the audience just a little synopsis about what the play is about. Uh, in the age of artificial intelligence, so it's in the not-too-distant future that this play has play, been placed, 85-year-old Marjorie, a jumble of desperate, fading memories, is, leaving, is living with her adult daughter and son-in-law. But she also has a handsome new companion who's programmed to feed the story of her life back to her. And the question becomes, what would we all want to remember? What would we want to forget? It is a wondrous play, and it explores both the mysteries of human identity as well as the power of technology. And I'm fascinated with the work that you're doing in technology that that explores artificial intelligence. What where are we today in terms of artificial intelligence? And, and you just said that you think it is a possibility that we may have something close to what's imagined on the stage today. Yes. I, I mean, it may take a long, long time. I mean, I'm not saying it's immediate. But, uh, you know, in, in, in a sense, uh, artificial intelligence is whatever we can program. Right? Artificial intelligence is software. It's programs that run through computers. And if you can write programs that do very complex, complex things, they're doable. And, you know, the technology is getting more powerful. We have lots of computing power. We have lots of memory. We can record, you know, millions of hours of videos or conversations or other things. And then the question is, how can this program access, extract something from this information and present it to us. And again, it is doable. You know, there's a lot of software now that many people, I think, know they can recognize faces, right? You can recognize faces in the crowd. You can track people. You can, you can do conversation. Even, you know, simple systems like uh, um, Amazon Echo or uh, uh, Siri or uh, Cortana or, you know, all the other systems, <coughs> Google Home, now they don't do a lot of conversation, but because the programs right now are very simple, mm-hmm. we can make them more, more rich, more complex. So they can, you know, maybe again, we can have a dialogue with the program. And this will happen. I'm quite confident it will happen. Well, a question that I have about that is the decision-making that artificial intelligence makes. I know it's programmable, and, and we're putting in um, ways to make decisions, but who are the decision makers that give the criteria for decision making in conversation? That uh, mostly are the programmers who you know whoever designed write the programs uh, makes the decisions. The question is, do we think we need some kind of higher level authority that decides what this, at least on general principles, how you make decisions? Right, right now. The way programs are written, you kind of write some kind of, we call it utility function, right? I, I, in my program, I say, for my program, if you make this choice, you have a value one. If you make this choice, the value is five. Mm-hmm. If you make this choice, the value is 23rd. And this is computed, you know, mathematically. Yes. Now, and then the program say, okay, I want the best, 23rd, <laughs> whatever this choice is. Uh-huh. Now, how do I make the decisions? You know, I make as an individual, but I think we need some kind of maybe collective guidance on making sure that the decisions made are ethical yes. and follow some principles. Because I understand it's based on probability, but then I wrestle with, you know, are decisions more than probability? You know, they're also based on beliefs. So how do the beliefs get integrated 
and what are our shared beliefs that we want to agree upon as the basis of those decisions. Because in the play, there's great conversation that goes on with the artificial intelligence. It, it, um, it looks like it's starting to make decisions. It looks like it's learning as it you know, shares the stories. So that intrigues me. Um, how, how, how do we learn with our brain and how does the artificial intelligence learn? And it's more based on math that the artificial intelligence is learning, but there's got to be something more to it as well. So generally the way artificial intelligence learns is what we call learns by teaching or by demonstration. So if we think the way children learn, you know, the parents show them what to do, they tell them what to do, they experiment in the real world, right? They, they touch something which is hot, they learn you shouldn't touch something hot, right? So the experiences that, that we have help us learning. And then in addition to the physical experiences, we have also, at some point, you have books, you have teachers. So, so the programs do it in a very similar way, like they don't have, a, in general, a physical body unless they're robots, but they can learn, and they can learn by absorbing information from lots of stuff. So, you know, I could, I could have uh, hours and hours of videos explaining how to do things, and I can write a program that uh, kind of goes through all the videos and learns what is common, right, across different videos. And so then understands that you kind of figures out how to classify things, right? They'd say, oh, this is a video that shows me how to drive, and if I turn right, I have to make sure nobody's on my right. If I turn left, the, the program doesn't, doesn't know exactly what it's doing, but learns that that's the right thing to do. Well, it's interesting because I, I wonder about is knowledge the same as capabilities? <laughs> and, <laughs> and is the, the technology learning or are they again relying on probabilities that's been programmed in and capabilities? And what's the difference between knowledge and experience? And does experience have to come first or does knowledge have to come first? All great philosophical questions that we will continue in our next segment because my um, my producer is looking at me and letting me know that I've gone a little over in this segment, but that's okay. We can do that <laughs> as long as I make it up in the next segment. So, Maria, thank you for this first segment. We're going to come back and, and talk more about artificial intelligence and perhaps some of the fears that people have and why, why, it, why it makes us scared and why it makes us excited. So, stay tuned and and uh, join the conversation if you like. I'll give you the phone number, 952-946-6205, and you can join us in the next segment. Thanks so much. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail, starting with the menu. The Payne Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years, and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians, who made the East Side their home. More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue, and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out brunsonspub.com. I'm Connie Bjork, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. Join us next week as we explore limitedness versus limitlessness. How might your life change if you let yourself explore being more limitless? Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. 
Tom Hartman here telling you that solar energy isn't just for environmentalists. Switching to all-energy solar is actually perfect for reducing your carbon footprint while also saving money on your monthly electric bill. The fact that solar panels cause no earth-harming emissions while it's producing energy is a bonus. Who in the world could object to that? But they can also help you save money month after month for decades. And they do it with a clean footprint. So go green and start saving money today by visiting allenergysolar.com. Mother's Day in the Twin Cities means the Mother's Day Buffet at the Park Tavern. On May 12th, treat mom to herb-crusted beef, broiled cod, honey-glazed ham, eggs benedict, breakfast and lunch sides, salads, and desserts. Mom even gets a free mimosa and a carnation. Seatings are from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. $21.95 for adults, seniors are $14.95, kids are $10.95, 5 and under are free, and don't forget the hour of free bowling with every reservation. On Louisiana Avenue, north of Highway 7 in St. Louis Park, enjoy Mother's Day, Sunday the 12th, with the Park Tavern. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And we're having a wonderful conversation about artificial intelligence. Um, it's based on a play that uh, Professor Maria Gini and I went to, and we hosted a conversation. Park Square has Prime Productions as a theater in residence, which means they're doing a co-production of Marjorie Prime. The play runs through May 19th. Um, It is written by Jordan Harrison. Um, Excellent direction by Elena Gianetti, uh, Candice Barrett-Burke, James Rodriguez, Andre Scholes, Laura Stearns, stellar performances that keep evolving with nuance and richness. And I highly recommend it. It's As I said, it's going through March 19th. And um, it's a play we're seeing. It's a play we're thinking about. Uh, in the age of artificial intelligence, we have Marjorie, who is 85 years old, who's got fading memories, but she's got this handsome companion. He is a hologram and has artificial intelligence. He's programmed to feed the story of her life back to her. And it raises questions for folks who watch about, well, what is the capacity of artificial intelligence? Who would I want to bring back? And am I a little afraid of this or am I excited about it? Um, When we hosted our conversation, I asked who would like to have uh, an artificial uh, intelligence companion? And about half the audience raised their hands. And I said, well, who's afraid of it? And the other half of the audience raised their hand. It it brings up mixed feelings uh, when I've thought about it. Uh, I thought I'd like to bring my grandfather back uh, to help because he was a great storyteller. He was Scotch-Irish and – love to play games. And I think I would love to have him come back at the age that I am in my 80s, should I have the privilege to have uh, someone, uh, a hologram to comp- to be companion with. Um, but who would you? Who would you want to tell stories with? Who would you want to imagine? Who would you want to have as a companion that could keep your ideas alive? Um, and we have today Professor Maria Gini, who joined me in that conversation, and she is with the University of Minnesota. She's an excellent professor who teaches physics, and I love physicists. My father also taught at the University of Minnesota many years ago in the physics, so it is a great, um, a great pleasure, a great joy to have you with us, Maria. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. So, Maria, there's some people that are afraid. I've got an article here about Elon Musk. He gave a warning. Artificial intelligence could be an immortal dictator. And he is absolutely terrified of what uh, artificial intelligence could take over the world and and we would have to report up to this uh, dictator of technology. 
But we've always been a little afraid of technology. I went back and found that when radio was coming up uh, and being developed, people were terrified of radio. They were afraid of loudspeakers and somehow our world was going to be taken over by radio and we were all going to be drones to radio. Well, thank goodness that hasn't happened. It's become you know a great technology for us to get connected. Um, but what might why might people be afraid of artificial intelligence? And what is exciting of how it can serve us? And, and I think you'd be the best person to help share your insights on that. Well, I understand that people can have fear because we tend always to have fears of the unknown. Right? We tend to project or think about uh, what could happen, but we don't know things. Uh, we don't know, again, if we have to, to be excited or to have fear. So, I, I mean, it's very human like to have fears. Um, it, for me, the main the issue that is kind of fear of the future is uh, not too much the future itself, uh, but who is going to control it. And I was just thinking about, you know, recently people talk a lot about Facebook and how powerful it is and how much, you know, it controls the way people think. And that is a company, basically, that provides a products that people love and they use it, but at the same time has unexpected consequences. Uh, and uh, nobody thought when the you know, social network started what the consequences were there. But at the same time, there are ways of fixing things, right? It's not that because things don't work as expected, there's nothing you can do. I mean, after all, you know, we have our intelligence, we're smart, or some other company will come up, or, or there is... You know, common say people, everybody debates, discussing the company changes, changes the path. So from that point of view, there is a lot of power that we have as consumers, and if we use it properly, I think we, have, we will have control, or at least some control. And there are some good things that you're using artificial intelligence. Uh, I know that you've got some uh, projects in helping uh, to detect autism. Can you tell a little bit about that? Right. So, uh, the one of the problems with autism is that uh, has to be detected very early. The earlier it is detected, the better are the outcomes. Because when the children are very, very young, they are like sponges. Yeah, they they absorb a lot from the environment, so they can be helped to change behaviors. The problem is how do you detect it when the kids are very, very young? And of course, it's very difficult because, uh, you know, they speak, but you don't know exactly what they're saying. It is difficult to distinguish if they're just excited about something or they're paranoid. And so we use the robots as part of a larger project with the Child Development Institute here, uh, kind of very nice and cute humanoid robot, uh, as a way of getting us more information when we observe what the child does. Right? We have to look at what the kids does figure out uh, is they afraid or not. And so one of the things we've done again with this robot, which is very cute, and dances and talks and speaks and gets up uh, and asks the child to do different things. Uh, and we record all the interactions uh, and then it's then analyzed uh, and I try to find out what features in the interactions will indicate potential autism. This is an ongoing project. Uh, you know, will take much more time to we looked at the 60 children, they came in, but we need many, many more. But this is a very important, interesting way for me to see the technology we have developed now can help us doing something which is very good for you know, all the families mm. that have this problem. You know, they have a, a, a child, maybe behaves funny, they want to make sure there's no problems, and if we can help people, you know, that, that's why I love technology. I love mm -hmm. to do things that can be used. And with that, in our next segment, I want you to share about your love for science and women in science and encouraging young people to get in science. So we will, we will continue our conversation on that. And also, um, I'm going to be giving away a couple tickets. So tune in to get the uh, information on the tickets to Park Square coming up in our next segment. Thank you, Maria. I enjoy our conversation, and I'm glad that we have a chance to share it with our audience. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. 
Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the East Side's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the East Side Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Is Fido's bad breath getting in the way of your relationship? Well, Teef is the answer to all your doggy dental care woes. They're inviting dog lovers in the Minneapolis area. Come on out for their pup-friendly launch party to celebrate the latest innovation in dog dental care. This innovative new product combines science with simplicity to make your dog's water bowl function like a molecular toothbrush. On Saturday, May 11th from noon to 3 p.m., bring your pup and to come celebrate Tifa Palooza at 56 Brewing and Tap Room in Northeast Minneapolis. There will be food trucks, live music, games, raffles, and partner vendors offering pet-friendly products and services. 5% of proceeds benefit the Animal Humane Society. This event is free to attend. Tifa's patented prebiotic dental care technology launches as a water additive in a powder form that makes the difficult task of daily dental care as easy as scoop and drink. Saturday, May 11th at noon for Tifa Palooza, taking place at 56 Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis, 3055 Northeast Columbia Avenue. Find out more at tiefhealth.com. That's T-E-E-F health.com. This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. It's the age of artificial intelligence. 85-year-old Marjorie, a jumble of disparate, fading memories, has a handsome new companion, me, a hologram who's been programmed to feed her the story of her life back to her. If given the chance, what would you remember? What would you forget? Jordan Harrison's new play explores the mysteries of human identity and what technology offers. Prime Productions presents the play Marjorie Prime at St. Paul's Park Square Theater. Performances run April 19th to May 19th. For tickets, visit parksquaretheater.org. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today, cloudy with a high near 64. Tonight, chance of rain with a low around 46. Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 62 and a low around 44. Monday will be sunny with a high of 68 and a low around 51. Tuesday, a chance of thunderstorms with temperatures in the 70s. Shop local with one of AM950's advertisers for Mother's Day. There's everything from electronics, wellness shops, pet care, electronics, restaurants, and more. It's a great way to support not only AM950, but also local businesses and shops. Find a full list of advertisers at am950radio.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And today we're talking about artificial intelligence and we're celebrating the uh, Park Square Prime Productions uh, co-production of Marjorie Prime. It's what brought uh, Professor Maria Gini and I together. We hosted a talk back, and we had so much more to talk about that I encouraged her to be on my show with the encouragement of many co- uh, connections and AM950 listeners uh, to bring our, our friend uh, Maria back to the show to talk more about artificial intelligence. But I do want to make sure that folks know that they should go see this show. It's it's amazing. Um, Marjorie Prime is running through May 19th, so it's this weekend and next weekend. It's directed by Elena Gianetti. Excellent direction. Uh, beautiful portrayals from Candace Barrett-Burke, James Rodriguez, Andre Scholes, and Laura Stearns. It is um, a gem. It is a diamond with many facets and one worth seeing and one worth thinking about after seeing and talking about. Before I get back to our conversation, I want to let folks know that there are tickets that I am giving away today for the next production at uh, Park Square. Uh, The play is called Heaven, and it's tickets for performance on June 14th at 7.30 p.m., and I just need you to give us a call at 952 
1-800-946-6205. Also, if you've been to the show, if you've been to Park Square, I'm going to ask that you encourage a friend to call in because we'd like to have folks who haven't had a chance to go to Park Square. Um, But have a friend give us a call. And that's 952-946-6205 for a free pair of tickets to June 14th, Performance of Heaven. Maria, thank you for all of your insights that you have been sharing with us. And one of the things that I also wanted you to share with is about how um, you have a mission to support women, which is really in line with Prime Productions. Their uh, their mission is to celebrate women. And what they do is they produce full-stage productions that encompass that mission and value to to promote women and diversity and imaginative casting. You do the same thing in science. You want more women to get involved. What have you been doing to encourage women to consider science as a career? Well, I'm, I'm especially interested in uh, having women considering computer science as a career. Of course, there's need uh, in all kinds of sciences and engineering, but, you know, I know computer sciences have tried to convince people that that field they should get in. Um, I think one of the main reasons why a lot of women don't choose computer science when they go to college is uh, because they think they don't know enough, uh, and often their uh, friends, you know, boys in school, talk about computers, know how to disassemble, open them up to things, and they fear that they're not prepared. Um, but there's also something a little deeper than that. And uh, often they see computers as not very interesting. Women typically tend to like to do things that are good for others, help mm-hmm. others. And so they don't find it very exciting to say, oh, my program is a little bit faster than yours. <laughs> or my because, you know, those things that are... Less, that they see as part yeah. of, the, of the field, but the L- less be less combat competitive, perhaps more collaborative and giving is exactly. is our nature. Exactly. Yes, yes, and, and that is a big is a big part. Um, the other things, you know, often is this perception, and you know, there's some reality that some of the computer scientists are a bit weird. You know, the human letter, right? You know, called the geek. Yes, well, right? but both I think both scientists and artists we we celebrate being weird. It's it's sort of a badge of honor in our weirdness. Uh, but yes, uh, right. But yeah. you know, sometimes again, they 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 feel that uh, the the jobs require that you know, like again. They see some people are to be weird, and they sit in front of the computers all day. They don't talk with people; they just work on a computer. And women tend to like to talk and tend to like, again, human interactions. So they think all the computer science jobs are you sit in your cubicle all day. You know, some are like that, but there are many other jobs. So, so what I think they're doing is do a kind of summer called a computing academy, and we bring in uh, girls from high school or from, from middle school and just show what is programming, how you learn how to program, but also how to do interesting things. We get them to talk with people that do, do graphics, you do visualization, you do virtual reality, you can help you know, in the medical field, just to show the richness of things that you can do. And the, and and the career opportunities that are exactly. beyond yes. sitting yes. in a cubicle and doing programming that may or may not have impact. Because I think also women like to have meaning and impact. What, what does this mean? How is this making a contribution? How is it making you know, something better? And if you can provide new ways of looking how our, our technology supports that, I think that could be very engaging. Yes, and, and having the ability to <clears throat> program computers, to understand how to use them, and really program and do new things, is very powerful. I mean, most people don't think about it. But, you know, I, I, I cannot build, you know, houses or toys or whatever. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. how to build physical devices, but I can build a simulated object in my computer because I know how to program it, right? So I can dream things that don't exist in real life, and I can kind of give them a life in the computer. Uh, and it's, it's very powerful to me, right? And not that I do it all the time, but the fact I know I can do it mm-hmm. means, you know, if at some point somebody says, oh, I did this kind of weird things, 
we can design it on the computer, try, simulate. I mean, software now can do so many different things, and you can visualize and see and project and predict the future that doesn't exist yet, that may never exist. Part of it is, it sounds like sharing the story of possibility, sharing the story of imagination. There's some barriers that women may perceive in terms of technology not being engaging and not being imaginative. But are there other barriers as well that keep women from imagining a career in science, especially one in in computer science? Well, I I, I think, you know, there are barriers, uh, cultural barriers. uh, And again, women often think that it's not for them. Uh, and this is not the same in every country. So it's nothing to do with women. It's not that women don't like technology, don't like science, don't like mathematics. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, some people say our brains are not built for science. That's nothing to do with that. And that, that, really yes, that's cycle, nonsense. Right? Yes. Live, <laughs> and the interactions we have with people and the perception we have with people that affects, you know, what we think about ourselves. Well, you know, I, I remember growing up my father talking about math as a philosophy and that that sort of changed my my view of numbers being even real. Uh, but but how, how there is imagination to mathematics. And I think so often we get so stuck in um, – a logic ten, or just as much as we imagine someone in a cubicle, we imagine numbers being um, not something that that can be played with, that can bring us new opportunities. Are we teaching math in ways that engage or turn off students? Do you think? Well, the, the, the way I think, again, when, when we talk about computers, mm-hmm. I think, you know, first uh, you have to show that to program computers, you have to be able to reason in a very precise way. And behind every computer program, there's some kind of reasoning process that somebody did. Right? People, we talk about algorithms, right, which is procedures, processes you have to go through. And that's something, I think, Women, once they understand it, find very interesting because we also tend to be, many, many, many women tend to be very logical reasoners. Uh, you like these logical puzzles, uh, and in a sense, uh, writing programs is very similar. You have to figure out what's the best way for me to solve this problem, and I have to make sure I think about every detail. Mm. <laughs> what could be wrong here? What can be wrong? You have to think about all the cases. Yes. Right? And women often are very systematic. So again, the people have have the right qualities, the right properties. It's just seeing that this is what computing is about. And to be able to imagine creating your own little world based on your reasoning, based on your details, and yes. being yes. creative in that that world of exploration of what could this imagination bring me and how do I reason out all the pros and cons and the boundaries and the opportunities uh, can really be an adventure. But it does require, as you say, a disciplined uh, approach to reasoning it out in a very logical way. And it, right. it, it really uses both sides of the brain. I mean, it really it, it needs to have that integration of imagination but also the logic uh, that allows us to process and, and, and think entirely new, uh, new ways. Yeah, and many women, again, you know, I've done this summer camps for five, six years. Now a number of them I know are in colleges, you know, the one is at Berkeley, one girl was with me last year, she's a freshman, she's been a freshman at MIT this year, another one is at Harvard. So, I mean, and those are, are local students, and, you know, they saw, not just because they came to my program, but they saw the power of those things, and they built and have spectacular careers in front of them. Have and you... I don't know, you know, again, if even one person changes her mind and that changes her life, that for me is success. Huge. You know, I don't count how many students, you know, one is sufficient. If each of us, we can change the life of one person. Think about how the world will be different. 
in in talking about the world being different, have you seen more women going in? Have you seen changes? Have you seen changes in the young people coming up um, being more interested in computer science? Yes, there are the numbers are going up. Uh, you know, they should still go up more. Things are are improving. There's still one issue which is very tricky. Uh, a lot of women, you know, do computing, get the jobs, but the number of women who quit mid-career, quit the jobs, the computing jobs, is very high, much higher than for other professions. Is and that, is that is, inter- internationally as well as in the U.S.? Or is it it's mostly in the U.S. The okay. data that I've seen are from the U.S. I don't have similar data for the rest of the, the world. And the reason there is really still is a cultural reason. Mm. If you, no, of course, if, if you are in a place and you are one woman and there are lots of men, uh, it's difficult. You need to have some numbers so you kind of create it. You know, you're not the, the exception. You know, there are other like you. Mm-hmm. And the culture in many companies uh, is still uh, still has to change a lot. I mean, it's not you know just in computing. I mean, we know there's a lot of issues with women in many fields, uh, and will take will take time. I mean, you know, you see things changing. You see awareness of the issues, uh, which is the first step. But we really need to see cultural changes. You know, I, I also see women in mid careers in other fields dropping out and sometimes it has to do with child care um, do we have a, a good child care program in the US that allows women to be able to do both work at home and work at the at their profession and some um, feel like they have to do other jobs in order to be able to to handle having a family and I think that's very sad that more women face that than men in terms of, of child rearing uh, right and you know think even about you know maternity leaves mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I've done studies some years ago. I had people from different parts of the world at, at the conference were talking about that. And, you know, if you look at the rules in the U.S., mm-hmm. are the worst in most yeah. parts of the world. Yeah. Right? That, I mean, well, you know, and that, that's why I asked, is this U.S. or international? I mean, are, are women dropping out yeah. in places where they have good child care and good yeah. opportunities and good support and, and enough time to spend with their children with so it becomes a bigger question than uh, even going into science. It's, it's what, what are our opportunities as we grow as women? And I appreciate your insights with science and encouraging women to think about especially computer science. But I'm running over again. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to go to our commercial break and then we'll be right back uh, to talk a little bit about uh, thinking about economies and artificial intelligence and some of the work that you've done in that area too. So I look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening in. There are a few commercials here, and then stay tuned for our last segment with Professor Maria Gini from the University of Minnesota. Thanks so much. It's the age of artificial intelligence. 85-year-old Marjorie, a jumble of disparate, fading memories, has a handsome new companion, me, a hologram who's been programmed to feed her the story of her life back to her. If given the chance, what would you remember? What would you forget? Jordan Harrison's new play explores the mysteries of human identity and what technology offers. Prime Productions presents the play Marjorie Prime at St. Paul's Park Square Theater. Performances run April 19th to May 19th. For tickets, visit parksquaretheater.org. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Looking to experience the Northwoods and Boundary Waters? Big Bear Lodge is the perfect choice. May and June are a perfect time to spot some moose as well as have great fishing. Mention AM950 during May and you'll receive 10% off when you book the Dakota Cabin. A cozy cabin perfect for couples or a single person looking to unplug and unwind. Find out more about this great getaway and see their authentic modern woodsy cabins at BigBearLodgeMN.com. That's BigBearLodgeMN.com. 
Find a wide selection of outdoor hearth products at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. Whether you prefer wood or gas, Woodland Stoves has the fire to fit your home. Pizza aficionados know nothing matches masonry oven baking for capturing flavor and nutrition. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces can easily install one in your home or business. Enthusiasts use these ovens year-round for bread making, wood roasting, even grilling. The mission and passion of Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces is to make the fire work for you. The way humans relate to fire is primordial. We have used fire to warm our bodies, cook our meals, and kindle our spirits. Our team has the know-how to do this in a clean-burning and environmentally smart way. Visit our store and experience the diversity. We have over 35 working units on display at the corner of Riverside and East Franklin. See us online at woodlandstoves.com. Find the fire that fits and works for you. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. So glad you joined us today and been part of our conversation. We've been talking about Marjorie Prime, artificial intelligence, and we've had Professor Maria Gini from the University of Minnesota in the physics department share with us about ideas in science, ideas about artificial intelligence, women in science, all kinds of good stuff. Before we get, jump back into that conversation, I want to share about how to get tickets to the uh, Marjorie Prime it is co-produced with Park Square and Prime Productions. You can go to parksquaretheater.org. Uh, Marjorie Prime is going to be running through next weekend, May 19th. It's written by Jordan Harrison, directed by Elena, Elena Gianetti. Uh, wonderful actors that are in the show. You'll just adore them. I highly recommend going to see it. It's Candace Barrett Burke, who plays Marjorie. And then we also have, I'm running back up here, James Rodriguez, Andre Scholes, Laura Stearns, all superb acting, and the play grows every production. And so if you've seen it, go back and see it again. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Prime Productions, uh, they have brought us this show through the Park Square. Fascinating group that's looking at women in their prime, and you can learn more about them by going to primeprods.org. Also, if you want to learn more about Connections Radio Show, you can check out ConnectionsRadioMN.com. Learn about our shows. Next week, we're also going to be talking about Park Square. Um, lots of cool things going on there. We're going to have a preview of uh, the upcoming season. Uh, we'll also be talking about Heaven, their next play, and several other good, juicy things that I want you to, to stay tuned for next week as well. In our last segment here, um, Marjorie Prime, for those who've just joined us, is a play about uh, an aging woman who has a companion who has artificial intelligence. It's a hologram. And it's uh, a very handsome man that, that allows her to share her stories. And the questions that come out of this of who would we want if we had an artificial intelligence, what kind of conversations, what sort of stories, all of that good stuff – uh, we've been exploring through the lens of uh, our professor of physics, uh, Dr. Maria Gini, who is in here for our last segment as well. Welcome, Professor. Thank you for so for joining us today and sharing your your insights. Maria, I have a question for you about the economies. I think people are a little nervous about economics. Things that you mentioned Facebook in the last segment. There are others that have uh, real concerns. Uh, there was one uh, news story this week about even suggesting that we should break up the Facebook. Uh, it's gotten too big, too powerful, and not enough things were thought through. There's others that are worrying about economies in the future. What are your thoughts about artificial intelligence and economics? Well, I think there's no question that uh, as uh, we develop, uh, you know, systems that are more powerful, more capable of doing things, jobs will get lost. Uh, and if you think about all the development of the technologies, you know, a lot of jobs disappeared. Uh, 
What has happened so far is this, this job disappears, new jobs come up, right? So in fact, you know, the economy has been growing because people are free from doing some kind of jobs, and now they can do other things. The long, long-term future, which I think could happen, is there will be no jobs at all because the computers and robots will do everything. If I have a, a factory that can produce cars or whatever, and that doesn't need any humans, they're all the robots doing things. What will a human do? Again, if there's no, no more jobs. And that, I think, is kind of a, a bit scary, but I know that people in economics uh, have been looking at the different ideas. Uh, and one of the ideas is uh, uh, somehow they will have to extract money from those factories uh, that run in a fully automated way. So the money that is extracted from this production can be shared by people. And exactly how to do it, uh, you know, a lot of discussions. I mean, suppose everybody, when you're born, you say, okay, for life, every month you're going to receive some amount of money. They will allow you to buy food, to do things, and so So that's, there is a lot of economical issues to, to address, but this is where an idea has been out for a while. And the interesting part then becomes, suppose we have no jobs, but we can still live. We still have money to buy food, to buy houses, to do things. How will we spend our time? And that's, for some people, it's very scary. But for other people say, wow, now I can do, you know, I can do art, I can do whatever kind of things I want, I can travel, I can go out, I can work with other people, um, doing, doing things that now we, we don't have time to do. So, and, and time has become such a, a precious commodity. It seems like we, even though we have a lot of time-saving devices, we don't really have the time to connect with, the, with those we love in the ways that we want to. You know, could it allow us to connect more uh, passionately, interestingly, uh, nurturingly? I mean, how, how might we change? Might we be able, like the early cavemen, to sit around the fire more and, and share stories? Yeah, but still the, the difficult part that somebody will have to sort out and is uh, how to share mm. the wealth mm-hmm. that all this technology is going to create. Right? We, because humans of, haven't done that well. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's still an issue about how, how things are shared. There's still a competitive spirit. There's still an us and them. We're still so tribal. The, the thought of... What would it mean not to have, uh, you know, the the rich and the poor? What would that look like? And is yeah. it possible? Is yeah. it possible to have a shared wealth that is not competitive, a shared wealth that's celebrated? And I think that's why people trip to fear. Somehow they think that, okay, we'll, we'll all become, you know, reporting up to uh, the artificial intelligence instead of the artificial intelligence serving our needs. But it's something to keep in mind for the future. Uh, how how do we want uh, to make decisions? How do we want uh, to work in harmony with each other as well as with our technology? And and are there abuses that could be made by those who are not as um, kind-hearted <laughs> in wanting to share? Yes, I'm, I'm sure, you know, any, any technology, anything, we, you know, we have done is always potential, you know, opens up opportunities, new things that we can do, but also opens up opportunities for inequality. Well, that we'll have to leave it on that note. Thank you so much, Maria, for sharing your insights and getting us all connected about computer science and the possibilities and what the future may hold. Thanks so much.